just a little bit caught in the middle Life is a maze, love is a riddle I don't know where to go, can't do it alone I've tried, and I don't know why Hi everyone, welcome to Parenting Portal. My name is Joanna Port. I am a mom of four to Zoe, Levi, Ruby, and Ray, and I am the director at Crestwood Hills Preschool in Los Angeles. This podcast is a guided discussion between me and an expert in the field of parenting. I'm with Lauren Bruns. Even if you're not a singer, you can still enjoy music. Really, you want to find a teacher that connects with your child. Their bodies are their first instrument. The title of this episode is Music and Kids. And I invited Lauren today because we have known each other now. We just figured it out for 15 years, right, Lauren? Really long time. (laughs) I went to Lauren with my 20-year-old, Zoe, and when I wanted her to learn music. And she actually, at that moment, wanted to learn how to write music, which was very yeah, interesting. And we came to you and sh- you taught her how to write songs. Yeah. And that was the beginning of her writing. She does want to be a writer, not of songs, but she does love to write. And I, I think yeah. you were such an inspiration. Aww. And we instantly became friends, mm-hmm. really. And when I was thinking about music, the first person I think about with kids is Lauren because of her immense experience um, working with music and kids. So let's delve right into it because we have a lot to talk about. But I'm going to give a little intro about you. Okay. okay? (laughs) Lauren is the head of the music department at Lawrence School in Valley Glen, California. She's been a songwriter for over 20 years, actually. Prior to becoming the head of music at Lawrence, she had a company called Sessions Songwriting, which taught kids how to express themselves through songwriting and playing instruments. She has taught music for a very, very long time in all different kinds of instruments. She also led early childhood music group classes, which I do remember you doing that. She has two kids, Bailey, who's three, and Wyatt, who's seven. I can't believe that. Um, (laughs) Welcome. Thanks, Joanna. (laughs) Why is music important for kids? Music is, it's fundamental to who we are as, as humans, right? It's, it's part of the, the core of our DNA, right? Language came, music probably came around the same time, if not before. Yeah. I mean, you, you see it really starting in, with infants. I mean, infants, they're, they're drawn to music. They're, they can start differentiating between different sounds, different frequencies, you know, as early as like a few weeks old. Oh, really? Yeah. So really, it, it's part of our, our core of who we are. And that's why I think it's important for us as humans to have that. It's also a, a social connector for us. Yeah. Right? So true. I mean, even if you're not a singer, you can still enjoy music, right? Yeah. Um, with your friends. And there have been studies that drum circles and singing with others, it really is a pro-social connector for us. And I think that's really important for children. When you're pregnant, do little babies in there hear your singing or hear (laughs) hear your record, uh, not records, the music you're playing on the outside? Do they hear it? They can and they feel the vibrations. Uh Absolutely. Now, whether or not if you play Bach or Chopin for them, I don't know if they're going to become a music. I, I, I will tell you, I played music for Wyatt and Bailey when they were in utero. Yeah. But yeah, they, they can definitely feel those vibrations. I mean, that that's what it is, is it's mm-hmm. these frequencies. And I mean, I'm, I'm not a physician, but yeah. I know that, 
you know, just, just from being an educator that those young brains are so malleable and building those neural pathways, they're like neural sponges. And so I would have to think that in utero, feeling those bright vibrations and hearing those frequencies would, would be meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up with music in your house? I did. So both of my parents are physicians, but my dad um, is also a pianist. And he didn't read music, but he played by ear so he could play Beethoven by ear. Whoa. So um, he, he improvised and uh, was constantly singing and we would do four part mamas and the papas harmonies like my mom, dad, brother and I. So really? We, yes. So you're all, kind of, you're all musical, huh? <laughs> we were all, yeah, my, my, my mom claim, claims that, that she's the least musical of us, but, but she could hold a tune. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was always music and I grew up in New Orleans, so there was music in, in the bones of the city. Right. Do you think music is, is you were born musical or not? Yes. And I think it's also environment as well. Both. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Both. You can definitely be born with, you know, a, a certain size, like vocal cords or like nasal cavity that will make your voice sound good. And you can also be born with the ability to maybe hear notes better. But that's not to say that those things can't be learned through practice, uh-huh. um, which is why it's so important for kids to be introduced early to music, because in those really early years, their brains are still developing. And if you introduce them early before five, mm-hmm. by the time they are five, they're already, you, you can, there have been studies that show a five-year-old who has been introduced to music versus one who hasn't been in a music-rich environment, their ability to differentiate tones is completely different. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, yeah. So, so what is the earliest age to start? A, like as soon as they're out of you. Okay. <laughs> you can start as, with, as soon as they're born. Yes. You can start playing music for them. I mean, formal music lessons probably not until they're older, a little bit older. But, like what um, age would that be, um, would you say? So I would say that group music for kids who are even under one is wonderful because they can already start experiencing music with other kids. And a lot of those classes incorporate drumming, which has been known to, to help uh, build that, that physical rhythm, which needs to be developed before you can actually play an instrument or um, be able to like think about rhythm. You have to be able to feel it in your body. So I would continue those sorts of classes really through early childhood, like all the way three to four now, like formal music lessons with instruments like piano or guitar, mm-hmm. I think the youngest child I taught was, and this was, and I only had had one of them. It was a three-year-old on ukulele. Mm. Now, I would say that's very different than teaching a five or six-year-old ukulele. Okay. But you can teach rhythm because there is a, a strumming that, mm-hmm. that they can feel with their bodies. In general, I would say four for piano is probably the earliest, but having a piano in your house and just letting your kids play on it, there's no age for that. I mean, I I would encourage that as early as they can sit up on the bench on your lap. And if you can't have a piano because of size and expense... An an electric keyboard. An electric keyboard, right? Absolutely. And those are... Yeah, 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 yeah. You could you buy, buy a forty dollar electric keyboard and at least just have it there. Yeah, but just having like access to musical instruments, playing music in your house, sitting with your child, honestly, getting them up on their feet and feeling the rhythm to music. I would say that's 
that is not something that kids can do innately is I, I find this teaching kindergartners. Uh-huh. We, we do a lot of getting up on our feet and marching to the rhythm. And you would think that that would just be something you can naturally do, but getting your, your body to move in a rhythm, it actually takes practice. Uh-huh. And it's important to be able to move around to music. Uh-huh. Um, it really does help once you want to go to an instrument. It's almost like, like your body is your first musical instrument. Oh, that's so interesting. So, so yeah. we do a lot of body percussion, you know, claps and pats and stomps and because it's much easier for a kid to then feel a rhythm on an actual instrument once they felt it in their body. So parents could do that at home. Oh, absolutely. And, and model it like tapping and oh, yeah, that's such a good absolutely. One. Yeah. Like, I mean, you think it's so simple to, to clap on beat, but that's something that it takes, it takes work. <laughs> it yeah. does. And so with our kindergartners at Lawrence, I start them on their body with body percussion marching every class they they march into class and and we rotate who gets to lead and then by the second semester we put them on an instrument and then they have to do it on a single note ah. and then and then by first grade we incorporate multiple notes and alternating hands so it builds developmentally as the kid gets older oh that's fantastic yeah. you are teaching all grades yeah K through through six. K through six at Lawrence. And so I noticed in the public schools in Los Angeles in third grade, they introduce the recorder. Mm -hmm. Why do they start with that as the first instrument out of the gate? So third grade is usually the age that they start recorder because wind instruments are a little bit more challenging with covering the holes. Okay. So playing recorder any earlier, you can. I mean, I, I've definitely taught it to second graders before, but it's definitely more challenging for them. Recorder is one of those instruments that it's sort of almost instant gratification because as, as soon as you can cover the holes, you can play. Okay. It's, um, and it's just sort of like a memory of which fingers to lift. So it makes it easier. I will say that a classroom full of 25 like new recorder players is loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a lot. But the recorder, I mean, the recorder can actually be a very beautiful instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's easy to take home and it, it <laughs> like, is, as it opposed is. to I, introducing the, it, it uh, the sax. Or right, 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 right. Exactly. It's a lot easier to teach yeah, also. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, like, like intro to wind instruments, essentially. Right, yeah, right. The instrument that I actually start third graders okay. on. Yeah. So, so I do do a recorder um, semester, but starting in third grade, I do ukulele. Why is that? Yeah. First off, ukuleles, they're very affordable. Mm-hmm. They're smaller than guitars. The strings are nylon plastic, um, much easier for the kids to press down on. Okay. The other thing is, unlike recorder, you can sing with the ukulele. So the kids love to sing and, and they love to play songs that they know. I mean, that's just, I've, I've, I've taught for long enough to know that you can't just have them playing classical music uh-huh. as much as I love like the technical of classical music. And I teach that they want to be able to express themselves with something that feels familiar. So, you know, little Jason Mraz <laughs> never, uh-huh. Uh-huh. N- never hurts. Like I assign that and they're like all over Oh, really? It. <laughs> yes. Which song is that? <laughs> the, um, oh, I won't hesitate. No, that that, that one. one. <laughs> yeah. I love it. 
That's so easy and fun. It is. It is. And and honestly, like if you know four chords, mm-hmm. you can play most songs on the radio. If you know C, G, F, and A minor, you got it. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's what does it mean when somebody is tone deaf? What does mm. that mean? It means that they're the the wiring between their vocal cords and controlling the tension of their vocal cords and their brain is not quite there. Okay. And it's, I mean, it, it really is something either your, so, so your brain can be wired from birth to be able to match pitch, right? Most of us can hear pitch because if we can hear a melody and understand uh, what that melody sounds like, you understand pitch, but it's matching your vocal cords to, to the pitch that's challenging for some people. And that can be taught. It can. Uh-huh. So, so I know a lot of adults who are like, oh, I'm tone deaf. So my kid is also going to be tone deaf. It's not, it's not necessarily true. Yeah. It just means it takes plenty of practice. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's really about controlling the air coming through your vocal cords and, and that, that pitch matching is just a tension of your, of your vocal cords. Right. So, and some people really have great voices and some people really don't. The quality of the voice mm-hmm. has, I mean, Yes, pitch is definitely one one factor, but the the size of the nasal cavity, uh, the size of the uh, space behind your your mouth. I mean, all of those things play. Mm-hmm. Like like Whitney Houston has a certain vocal quality because of her physiological, you know, that th- those factors. Okay, but but that doesn't mean that someone can't have good pitch um, and learn how to have good pitch. Um, which that again, that can be that can be taught, and that's something that I, I I do focus on with kids is is sort of like fun pitch matching games, um, and teaching them to differentiate between a third and a fourth. Like, what does that sound like? And then matching it with your voice. Um, uh-huh. I think those are all really important, and those are kind of fun games for kids too. It gets them off of the note reading portion of teaching and sort of it's, it's like ear training essentially and, and how do you play that game so you'll just play a, a note and you'll have them mm-hmm. match it with and them. sometimes I, I i kind of do like a simon thing where uh-huh. i see how many notes that they can match like and i add one more each time oh that's fun which they really enjoy that yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think anything with a little competition always helps yes <laughs> yes so in first you do two notes did you say and so yeah so k's and ones so i'm i'm an orf schulwerk uh-huh. um trained teacher you want to explain that yeah so bit? so the the orf method of teaching is really allowing children to play through music or learn music through play okay. um so there's a lot of movement getting up on your feet using poetry acting dancing Really, uh, there, there's a lot of body involved um, because, I, like I said, you really want to have them feel feel that rhythm, and it's almost essential for them to feel rhythm before they're able to play it on another instrument. Their bodies are their first instrument, essentially. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so K's and ones really just focusing on like developing that love for it uh-huh. and the feeling of, of of being successful. So, so the instruments we do have them play in K and one are a lot of um, unpitched percussion instruments. So you know, tambourines and shakers and hand drums. And then the pitched instruments we use are um, xylophones and glockenspiels. So xylophones are the, are the wooden ones uh-huh. that, that have bars. Uh-huh. Um, 
and glockenspiels are the metal ones. I think most of us have the the colored looking one yes. with, with like the red, blue, right? Yeah. Um, and we always call those xylophones. That's technically a glockenspiel. Because it's metal. It's <laughs> because not, it's metal, right? It's not wood. It's not wood, oh, right. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I even, I even called it a xylophone forever. Okay. <laughs> I did. So those instruments allow the kids to feel successful very quickly. Mm-hmm. And they're very easy. Like visually, you can see the notes in ascending or descending fashion where it's the bars are bigger if they're lower notes, right? Okay. And so and so we okay. teach them about high and low on on the xylophone. So K and one, it's really about developing that that rhythm and then we get them on those instruments. Second grade We've, we've already introduced sort of the fundamentals of rhythm. They just haven't really been given a name for it. So like quarter notes and eighth notes, we do ta's and tt's in K and one. So by second grade, it's easy. We just say, okay, ta's quarter notes. And we show them what that looks like. And tt's, those are eighth notes. Two, two eighth notes equals one quarter note. So because it's by second grade, they're already like in academics, they're started, it kind of lines up with what they're learning. Right. Um, Second and on, I just get them on as many instruments as I can. Oh, so to see what they're interested in, or just to teach them. Yeah, yeah. to to teach them, and I mean, it's also every kid is different. Like one kid might be drawn to stringed instruments. One might be might feel more successful on like like a keyboard. Uh huh. Another on a drum, right? Uh huh. Which we can get get into how parents can also foster that as well yeah. in like private lessons, but but in the classroom, I just try to expose them to as much as I can because I don't know what they're getting outside of school, yeah. right? So I want to make sure that by the time they leave Lawrence in yeah. uh, elementary school, they're set for middle school, yeah, with whatever middle school offers them. Yeah, so so our sixth graders are have already been introduced to so many instruments and I do pretty much songwriting the entire year with them. Uh-huh. And they're able to write their own songs, pick any instruments in the room that they want to use. I have them record in GarageBand, so I teach them how to record. There's a lot of stuff going on in their brain, right? Because they're sort of like multitasking in in a way and there's both sides of the brain have to connect with the singing and with the strumming. It's two different things and with lyric writing and fitting into a structure. So there's a lot going on by the time they're in sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, it sounds like a really great program. What can parents do at home so, to foster yeah. instrument playing and all of this and songwriting or any of that? Yeah. Um, so every kid is different. Mm-hmm. When you're starting them in private lessons, it actually doesn't even need to be one-on-one. You can start them in a group piano class because sometimes... Mm-hmm. Kids are a little a little wary when it comes to doing one-on-ones. They might get nervous. So maybe starting in a group, you know, really you want to find a teacher that connects with your child. Uh-huh. That's the most important. I mean, you 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 can have a you know a, a PhD in classical you know music from the 16th century, but if they don't connect with your kid, then it's so it's, true. It's, it's not going to work. <laughs> That's been my personal experience, actually. You're speaking to, the, I've yeah. gone through different, you know, if they don't, my kids connected with you, so it was great. Yeah. Um, recently, I Ruby wanted singing lessons and this woman and her just really clicked. Yeah. She would not miss a week because of this woman. Yep. Singing. And I just knew it was because of her, you know? Yes. So I think what you're saying is so much, so yeah. important. It, it, it really is. And, um, you know, and I saw it firsthand when when I ran sessions. Mm-hmm. You could see that 
that a kid had interest, but maybe it wasn't the right teacher. And so we'd switch them to another teacher and all of a sudden it would be wonderful and they'd start practicing. So the teacher really does make a difference. It, you, you can have two great teachers, but one of them works for your kid and the other one doesn't. Other families will say to me, uh, parents, I really want my kid to, to learn an instrument. Yeah. Let's just say this child hasn't shown no interest, but the yeah. mom or dad really wants them to grow up right. and take lessons and whatever. Right. What do you say to a parent who comes to you said, I'm going to start piano lessons. My kid isn't showing much interest, but I do want them to learn a, an instrument. Yeah. Um, so I think at some point you do have to take your child's lead. I mean, I, I think it's great to try any instrument with your kid and, and to sort of have them try it and say, look, we're going to try this. But you know, at the end of the summer, if you're still not, you know, digging it, yada, 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 we'll, we'll try something else. I say to, to have the kid try it because kids don't sometimes understand even what they want, you know, yeah. especially as like a four, five, six-year-old, because part of them might just be scared of trying something new. Right. So I say try it, but there, you know, there, there are many factors or variables when your kid is putting up resistance and some of them, you know, it could be the teacher. Uh-huh. It could be the style in which the teacher is teaching. So if if this teacher is just about reading notes and you have to practice 30 minutes every day and it's a little more strict, maybe that doesn't work for your kid. Maybe you need a teacher who's going to get them up on their feet and play a game with music for half the time and then and then do note reading or ear training, you know, a, a, a combination, right? So you have to look at the teacher's style of mm-hmm. teaching. I think I mentioned this also group classes versus one-on-one mm-hmm. is something to look at. Also, the length of the class. Mm-hmm. Those little ones, five-year-olds, I mean, you you know, you have four. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their, their attention span. What would you say? 20, 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say with, I would start for, for me, like with the really little ones, like four and five-year-olds, I try to start with like 20 minutes. Yeah. Even if it's just for a few weeks. Yeah. And then I typically stay at 30 minutes for for a while for a while until it seems like the kid is craving more time like oh the time is already up and they're you know then then you know move to 45 and then and then an hour i mean i had some middle schoolers who i taught you know an hour and a half twice a week wow so yeah. so i mean by the time they're they're old enough to sit still <laughs> and, yeah. and focus you you can work your way up but with the little ones especially when it's something new and you don't want to you don't want to turn them off from it. Wait, should we be forcing them to do an instrument? I mean, it's, I don't think it's necessary to force a kid, especially if, if they're super resistant to it, because there, there might be something else going on. Like maybe, uh, maybe they, they are scared. And if they're getting music in their classroom, um, maybe, maybe that's enough. School, yeah. yeah. I think you just have to know your kid. Yeah. Right. It, do I insist? Am I, is it better to insist, no, you're going to try instrument here or there, mm-hmm. or to wait for the kid to come to you and say, I really want to learn? So I, th- I think you can be proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me, let me give a, a firsthand <laughs> example. Um, so with my son, Wyatt, so of course, I'm a music teacher, so it's a little bit different, but I really wanted him to play piano. So I started him in piano lessons last year. So it's about a year and a half ago there got to a point where in the car ride over, he said, I hate piano. And when he said that, I knew that something was up and I knew that something had to change. Um, and inside I was like bubbling, of, of course, course, of course. <laughs> but I had to look at the time of day he was having his lesson. So he was having it at five o'clock because that's the only available time the teacher had. 
Okay. That was too late for him, mm-hmm. especially as a kindergartner. Like mm-hmm. he was, he was out. He was right? done. He, he was done. Yeah. The other thing is, is maybe having, going to a studio, maybe that was too much for him. Maybe he needed someone in home. Uh-huh. That, that, that's another thing to look at. For me, because they didn't have another time, I took a break with him. And three months later, I, I found an app and it um, it's called Simply Piano. And he took to it. Oh. And so so he's actually been sort of like with with my help, it, it kind of teaches them the basics of piano and they're playing little songs. And he came to me and said, I want to start back with Ahmad again, which was his teacher. Oh, that he, he did? Took. He did. Are you so happy? I was. And we start next week. So <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> but but sometimes it just takes a break. You know, you just yeah. need a break from it. And then he came back to me. When, after. when did you have Ahmad last? Um, it was, was in he? February. Okay. It was in February. So it's. Are you going to do it at five? What's that? Are you doing it at five? Come no, on. no. We're doing it at three, which actually I asked why. I was like, is that too late? And he's like, no, I think three is fine during summer. <laughs> well, I'm really going to think about you and Ahmad. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and Wyatt. Um, so it's probably a combination of things. Yeah. You know. and, and age also. Because oh, yeah. honestly, like, again, my son, he he's he's musical. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's like prodigy, right? He had to grow into like d- develop this want for it. And so he actually came and said he wanted to year- learn ukulele. I never brought that up to him. Oh. So I think that's an age thing too. Sometimes you just kind of have to like play it by ear with, with your kid and give them time. So if at five, your, your kid has shows no interest, Maybe let it go for a year, yeah, and and revisit it when they're six or seven, you know. And and also the instrument is is also important. What instrument they're starting as well? Because piano, I find you can start much earlier than something like guitar, okay. and and that's just because of the dexterity of their fingers, dexterity, but then also strength of, of their fingers with with guitar, because it it is challenging to push down on strings. Now now they do have smaller like three fourth size guitars, uh-huh. and. And I've I've taught five and six year olds and, and it was fine. But in terms of like the ease of starting on an instrument, piano just it, it seems to work really well with younger ones. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just the positioning yeah. and the way yeah. you, your fingers I mean and are. you ukulele if you want a stringed instrument before guitar, start ukulele. Because uh-huh. for first off, they're they're not that expensive. Uh-huh. So you can try it and if they don't like it, well then you just have a 40 buck ukulele in your yeah, house, you yeah, know, yeah. it's, it's light, it's portable. You can, you know, you can bring it in the car. Wyatt, uh, I remember he had a baby ukulele. He, he'd bring in the car when he was really Aww. young. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say guitar would be like six or seven. What about yeah. drums? Drums. See, I think drums, that, that rhythm, you could start that early uh-huh. because even in these like early development music classes, they're already drumming, right? Because it's, because it's easy for kids, right? They're, uh-huh. They they can immediately feel the rhythm with their hands. Sorry, I'm yes, y- yes. You're, you're watching me. I'm drumming in the air right now. <laughs> yeah. You're air drumming. I'm air drumming. Is there something called that? There is, like air, air drumming. guitar, air, air drumming. drumming. <laughs> I actually had a teacher at sessions start with like a, a three or four year old, and and it was great. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it looks different than a lesson with a seven or eight year old. Obviously, they don't quite have the coordination for like a kit, you know, like with with hands doing different rhythms at the same time. Uh-huh. But I mean, you'd be surprised with practice. A three or four year old can get pretty good at instrument. Just look at YouTube. <laughs> like, yes, you know, true. It's, it's, it, it's it is true. true. <laughs> For some reason, boys tend to love drumming. 
They do. I think there's something like... You don't see girls often doing it. Am I wrong? Or is I, that, there are definitely like, more boys. I think I think that there's something... There's First off, there, there's kind of a cool factor too. With, with drums, there's, yeah. a, there's a loud factor. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, th- there's a physical element to it, right? And, and we all know, I mean, you, you know, you're a yeah. educator y- yourself. You know that boys, there's a physicality. They're physical, more, physical. They're more yeah. physical and they sort of self-regulate through through physical contact, right? And I think that that has something to do with it. But we definitely need to get more girls on drums. I agree. <laughs> it's so cool. It's really cool. Like, have you ever seen a girl drummer? They're awesome. Like, they're so cool. I can't think of any, but I would love, I wish my daughters were doing that. I definitely think there is something real physical about it with boys and, and the, the drumming. Yeah. You said, you mentioned self-regulation. I'm wondering if introducing drums to a child who is suffering from some self-regulation issues at a young age, who's having, I wonder if that would be a good you know, in intro to try, you know, absolutely. like, a- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know that they use drums in like music therapy because it is, it's, it's a way of expressing yourself. I mean, we, we know this and kids sometimes need that outlet, yeah. especially when they don't have the vocabulary. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's a way of, of expressing yourself. I mean, that, that's why songwriting, I think, really struck a chord for for me uh-huh. I mean as a songwriter uh-huh. but then also seeing what it did for the kids that I would teach uh-huh. but yeah like drumming or or really any instrument singing every kid is so different but there was something about the songwriting that allowed them to voice these things in a very personal way but it was in a song so somehow even though they they, they were still vulnerable it was different than telling your mom uh-huh. like what you're feeling it was it, it was like a journal for them it's like books it puts something between the feeling and the emotion and what yes. you're doing and the, and the output yeah it's a protective thing a- but, absolutely uh, yeah i mean i think adult songwriters that's what they use it for oh absolutely i, I mean i know that they they use it with veterans who have ptsd mm-hmm. they have songwriting programs um so so i know that yeah it's not just kids who can benefit from from expressing through through songwriting one question that I get frequently yeah. from parents is, especially parents who are who have kids in lessons, and they say, I know nothing about music. How can I help my kid yeah. practice if I have no idea what a quarter note is or what it's supposed to sound like? Um, so that's where the the teacher-parent relationship has to be strong. And I really recommend parents go in for the last few minutes of their kid's lesson oh. and it, it's, it's, it's a partnership between the kid, the teacher, and the parent. So everyone's on the same page. The teacher can maybe even have the child explain what they're going to do for practicing so, so that the parent understands the kid knows. Yes. So it's not a surprise when they get home and, and, and they say one thing, but you know. So really just, you sort of have to invest. You have to invest as a parent, right? You can't just let them do, do it and then expect them yes. to be able to do it on their own. For me though, I do find that kids do like to have that sense of autonomy. So even if doing check-ins while they're, while they're practicing and say, Hey, will will you play me what you're practicing? Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe have them play something at the end of it. Just, just so you're there and they know that you're there to support them. That sometimes keeps them in line, but it also like allows them to know that you're supporting them, but it gives them that sense of independence as well. Right. Both. Yeah. How do you get kids to practice? Yeah, that's it's hard. It's oh the God. it's the uh, it's the problem of the century. <laughs> it's probably why I haven't done it. <laughs> I, why I, my kids don't I, play I, any I, instruments? I, I, think. I, I think every. I mean, 
I, I would say like 90% of all like adults I know all took piano lessons and yeah. none of them play now, right? Because, me, and, that's me. And they said it was because it was like torture practicing. Torture. Right? Yes. You have to figure out a way to make them invested. I mean, and yes, there are ways you mix it up so that it's not just reading notes on the page. You have them. I mean, and this, this, this goes back to the teacher as well. Okay. Um, you know, a teacher who really understands who their, their student is will assign something that's not just writing notes. Okay. Right. Because just read it, it's, it's like just assigning reading without assigning any like storytelling, you yeah. know, or like it, it you, you have to, you have to mix it up for these kids. So even, even in practicing, right. I mean, there's no getting around it. Practicing will make a kid play better. Right. right? It's just the way it, it is. It's just the way it is. And they always want to practice the thing they already know. I mean, that's, oh, that, really? that's the other thing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, easy. it's easy. They already know it's the familiar. It's the feeling in control. Mm-hmm. So if the kid is old enough to understand, look, you like the feeling of knowing it, but in order to get there, it does take work, right? The younger ones, you, you, there is a little more handholding, right? So yeah, I mean, even if it's mixing it up, like saying, oh, why don't you play it? And then this time, why don't I try to sing along? Like just making it fun and silly, make right? It make it fun for them. Um, will you teach mommy to, to play it? And, uh-huh. and, then, and then you try to play it, right? I, I think that that interaction with the parent, but, but again, it takes the parent really being invested too, you know? Well, Lauren, this has been amazing. We could go on. Thank you, on. Joanna. I've had such, <laughs> such a good time. This yeah, has been great. <laughs> I know. A little catch-up session. Yes. <laughs> I love seeing you. Thank Same you here. so much for coming. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, okay, Joanna. Bye. bye. Thanks for joining us. If you have questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at joanna at parentingportal.com. If you want to learn more about our experts or to schedule a consult with me or a speaking engagement, or you just have a parenting question you need answered, go to parentingportal.com. And remember, parenting is so, so hard. Give yourself a break. You're doing a great job. And do something for yourself today. Got to let it go and just enjoy the show.